It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Glib Shark, the podcasting madness of three people and the shark of their dreams. Our hosts include Jack Jengaship Edithel, Lauren Oboe Crazy Urban, and Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Dive in as they chat with interesting people across the internet and generally talk about really geeky things. Be a chum and join us, won't you? It's time for Glib Shark. Well, without further ado, hi, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Lauren. And we are Glib Shark. Today, we are rejoined by the lovely, the talented, the amazing Oboe Crazy, who did something lovely, amazing, and talented this last weekend. And she is going to be here to talk all about it. In fact, she is even giving up her This Week in Geek slot <laughs> to do nothing but talk about the stream A of Annihilation. Thing. So... As always, we have the lovely, the talented, the amazing Oba Crazy here to do a little something we call the Stream of Annihilation. Ah. How are you doing, Oba? I'm, I'm exhausted and happy. Uh, and yes, I, I guess technically this is going to be you asking me a lot of questions about the one This Week in Geek thing, which is the stream that I was on that I was lucky enough to participate in. So... I mean, do we need to tell people what it was? Let's we... start off with that. So just what is the stream of annihilation? Well, to try to simplify it, Wizards of the Coast invited a whole bunch of D&D people in, in general out to Seattle and put on two days of live streaming for 12 hours each partially as a way of getting a whole bunch of all these streaming groups and D&D people together in one place to chat over what's what's been going on these last this last year or two but also as a way to promote their upcoming products most notably um the 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 next storyline that they're coming out with and I was lucky enough thanks to the Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks that I run thanks to the uh, live the live charity events that we put on at RTX and thanks to chatting with Greg Tito and Shelly Mazzanobel on um, Dragon Talk to be one of the people that was uh, invited out and paid to come out there and participate in this whole grand adventure. So for 12 hours on Thursday, or I'm sorry, on Friday, June 2nd and Saturday, June 3rd, there were couple dozen people from all kinds of mostly streaming groups and actual Wizards of the Coast employees. And then just a lot like, I don't want to, I mean, the, the easiest catch all would be random D&D people, but I don't mean that to sound derogatory. Like it includes me. I wasn't there with a group to play with. Like, unfortunately, I didn't have you guys with me. 
Um, so it was just me, but there was also some other, you know, solo acts like Matt Koval was there who does an amazing YouTube, um, He's probably most known in the D&D community as the for the YouTube uh, video series that he does called Running the Game, which is right. specifically for uh, people who want to be dungeon masters. Because as he puts it, um, there's always people who want to play, but not everybody wants to be a dungeon master, but you can't play without a dungeon master. So he put out a, a huge uh, grouping of videos that's all about running the game. And they're excellent. I highly recommend them. Um, God, who else was there? Uh, there was, there were some notable, um, actors who were there who just happened to be quote unquote famous people who also happened to like D and D. Um, uh, Joe Manganiello is probably one of the biggest ones as we've already seen him play D and D. Um, he's going to be showing up in force gray season two. He did a one shot on, I want to believe it was the alpha stream. Um, so he was there and he played a bit. Uh, Dylan Sprouse was there. Um, who's also been on a, a bunch of D and D stuff and is just an actor. Um, so I, real quick interruption i yeah. did not know who darren sprouse was and later on dylan. i was dylan sprouse sorry sorry uh and later on i was watching it in the living room and my wife walks by and it's like is that one of the sprouse twins and i'm like <laughs> who the fuck are the sprouse twins it's like they were on like uh, the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. They've done all this other stuff. They were pretty famous child actors. And I'm like, blink, 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 blink. And apparently uh, Dylan's brother is Jughead on the new River. Uh, I keep wanting to say Rivendale. Riverdale series on the CW. Yes. While Dylan is a brewer in New York, if I'm not mistaken, as well as being a giant D&D nerd. Yeah, he's an actor, a brewer. He also does a. Tw he actually does have a Twitch stream uh, called Pug Crawl that um, is very funny. And but yeah, I, he he was there. He didn't have his group there, so he was just kind of um, groupless, as it were, like me. Um, you had Abraham Ben Ruby and Matthew Lillard, who are once again just incredibly um, famous, well seasoned actors who also happen to be old school, long time D and D fans. And, um, there was a whole bunch of the critical role people who were there. The whole group couldn't come. In fact, even the, the couple of critical role people who could come were only there for 16 hours at most. Most of them arrived Friday after noonish and then had to leave by Saturday because, uh, they were doing critical role until late, late Thursday night. Um, Adam Coble was there, who is very well known in the D&D community. He's the head GM for Roll20, which is mm -hmm. the, the thing that Dungeons and & Dragons and & Drunks uses when we play our games together. And DMs all over the place on live streams. So there were a lot of these individuals who either do, they do have a group or they... they that couldn't come or they don't necessarily have a group because they don't stream, but they do other things. Um, and then the wizards invited these set groups out to not only join in the fun, but to also perform essentially it's performing um, for 
everybody. And a lot of these groups are going on to continue a adventure that has been custom made uh, with the new adventure in mind that Wizards is going to be putting out. Uh, that includes Acquisitions Incorporated, the C team that um, that uh, Jerry Holkins has been running. Um, High Rollers is a group that's based out of the Yogg's cast in England with yep. uh, Mark Holmes as the DM. Uh, Dragon Friends, which is a group of Australian stand-up comics and actors who uh, what they they were actually of of all the people there who produce. Uh, D&D games for public consumption in a variety of forms. The vast majority of people who were there do it through Twitch or YouTube. They live stream or at least they videotape. And um, Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks and Dragon Friends are actually two of the only groups that put out only a podcast. Although Dragon Friends will be changing. They're going to continue to do their podcast, which is once a month they go perform they essentially record it at a comedy club. They perform on stage live their D&D game. It, uh, so they, they have... get to do a RTX live game essentially weekly or, or however often they do it. Kind of. So their regular game, though, and the thing that they were doing before they came on the Stream of Annihilation was once a month they'd perform at a comedy club. And essentially, so it was a live studio, a live audience watching them play at a comedy club that they would normally do stand-up at. They'd record it and put it out as an audio-only podcast. And that was once a month. They're going to continue to do that, but now they're also going to be doing a more... I guess I guess the word I would use is traditional, even though there's no traditions really in live streaming D&D games. But when you look at all these other groups that are doing this, most of them are doing Twitch streams. Right. And so they're also going to be now putting out a week, um, a more quote unquote traditional weekly D&D stream um, that is um, the way they put it is that those two games are going to run concurrently and they'll be tied together in subtle ways, but you won't have to have one, uh, listen to one and we'll, you won't have to pay attention to both. So right now dragon friends is in its third season. Yes. Since third season, uh, the first season was kind of a very um, traditional uh, sword coast run game. Second season, they actually did a Ravenloft campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, they they essentially ran from Curse of Strahd, but if you ever if you ever listen to it, it's a very loose kind of thing. And the third season is basically Shadowrun. They all the characters got transported into Shadowrun ish future. They're in Sydney, Australia, with high rises in the near future with crazy techno magic and all kinds of stuff. And then what they're running for wizards are the same characters except in this new setting. And it's going to be interesting to see that all come together. Well, let's for, for oh. a second, let's go ahead and talk about that new setting because the whole, the whole stream of annihilation, you said it was to, to promote some products. And I think real quick, we can, we can list some of the other stuff that was promoted. I know they're coming out with a couple of different books. Um, I forget what they're called, but let me look that well, up here. They also so the, have well, Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, which I am pretty excited about, which is a a D&D based board game. Yeah, so it's Betrayal and House of the Hill except at Baldur's Gate. Yes. Is the quickest yes. way of explaining it. Um I will say I actually got a chance. I didn't get a chance to play it 
because um, Betrayal on House of the Hill, Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, but the Betrayal uh, board game series, they can take like an hour and a half, two hours. And it was hard to like pull yourself away from everything going on for more than just like 30, 45 minutes. But I was, um, I kind of dug through everything when they brought the box on Saturday, we all kind of attacked it and opened it up and looked through it. So yeah. I can say it's a gorgeous looking game. It is the, the actual physical game board, you know, all the tiles and everything is, is wonderfully detailed. And the people, when they broke it out to go play it, I had to leave and go to get ready for the game. One of the games that I was going to be in. Um, and, the overwhelming consensus was that it was a ton of fun. So there's that. Um, probably the, the, the main reason for the stream um, is the next campaign, which is literally the Tomb of Annihilation. Right. And if you're an old school D&D person like me, you probably already have an idea of what this is based on. And it is this um, massive adventure that is going to be taking place in Chult, which is far to the south of the Sword Coast in kind of this, um, it's in a giant rainforest. It's got all kinds of new um, characters and monsters. It, it, um, it's a lot like... Um, so Storm King's Thunder was the last massive adventure that they came out with. Right. And it not only has one kind of main overarching through line of a plot, but it also just has a ton of content in there that if if you're the kind of DM that is looking for an adventure that you can run your party through that could possibly take months or even a year or more, Storm King's Thunder is definitely one of them. And it looks like Tomb of Annihilation is going to be the same thing. It has so much extra content um they're officially saying that it is an adventure for levels one to eleven so literally you can start at level one and by the end of it assumably be by uh, level 11 which is a lot of content um so that was the the big big announcement and then they also announced i'm um, uh, the the xander book shit I've lost the name of the book. Yeah, that's what I was I've been trying to look for, like the book of many things or something like that. Yeah, they're putting out a I'm actually in a weird way the most excited about this even though technically it's kind of a lot of stuff they've already put out. So for the last couple of years they've been regularly posting what they call Unearthed Arcana. And if you've been listening to D&D and D, you it's know Zandahar's guide to everything. Thank you. Excellent. Um, so if you've been listening to D&D and D, you're probably at least vaguely familiar with Unearthed Arcana, because what a lot of the Unearthed Arcana that they've been posting has been either updates to current characters or race. It's mostly uh, character classes or more options for character classes. And one of the very first things that they put out was an update to the Ranger, uh, totally revamped it. Uh, modified a lot of the 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 stats and the powers and everything in it and it very quickly after it came out we decided um the the jenga who plays travancore who plays a ranger decided to switch to that build sim even though it was supposed to be quote-unquote playtest material um we felt like it was such an upgrade for that character class that it was worth taking it on 
So there's been a ton of that. It's mostly been new options, new subclasses, new um, abilities, new spells, um, all put out on uh, PDFs on the Wizards of the Coast website. And now that it's been this giant collection of stuff that they've put out there and play tested and gotten feedback on, they have done the final revisions on these char- on these character classes and on these everything that they're putting in there. And they're releasing an official book that includes all of this content. So the, the caveats you got before with all of the Arnold Arcana stuff was that because it wasn't thoroughly play tested, it there was still the possibility that it was unbalanced and you weren't supposed to be um, you weren't supposed to be allowed to use it either in Adventures League content or be able to multi-class with it. And so now that it's going to be put out as an official product, uh, a finalized balanced version, not only will everyone get a chance to to take a look at these things, but also now it'll be ripe for multiclassing and all this kinds of stuff. And there's going to be a ton of also new stuff in there that they've talked about. But even just collecting all the the unearthed arcana that they've put out there into these finalized classes, I'm super excited about to have that in one place. So, and then there were a lot of. Uh, I don't want to say smaller announcements, but those were kind of the the main product announcements from Wizards of the Coast. There was also the announcements of all of these uh, already groups of streamers who are creating new content based on Tomb of Annihilation that will be streamed on the Wizards D&D stream, uh, Twitch channel. So wizard uh, twitch.tv slash DND, which was where you could actually see the stream of Annihilation. So and it's where you can, if you, if you missed any part of it, especially the stuff that the lovely, the talented, and the amazing Overcrazy was on, you can go back and watch that right now. And they actually yep. have it pretty well divided for anything you want to see like let's say for some reason you hate obo crazy i don't yeah. know why you would because that's why would just you be nuts. listening to us right, right now? exactly but if you wanted to say go and see the high rollers one shot or the or the uh acquisition incorporated c team one shot or you wanted to see one of the maze arcana games you could go do that and it's it is very nice and they actually did that pretty soon after because i have a yeah. confession I was playing D&D on Friday night during one of your streams. That's so okay. I didn't get to I didn't get to really pay attention. I had it on, but it was one of those where I was trying to listen to two different things. And, yeah. And I finished your game the next morning and I'm very glad I did because I fucking loved Bangarang. <laughs> Well, okay, before we dive into the specific the two games that I played in, I will say that I highly, highly recommend you go and watch any of the games that, that took place over the course of those two days. Um, you're right that it was split up rather well. Basically, for the 12 hours of streaming, it uh, went back and forth between an hour and a half of a D&D game and then a half an hour of news announcements and interviews. And it that just cycled back and forth and back and forth. So they did a very good job of splitting those up. So if you go to the Twitch channel, if you go to Wizards Twitch channel, you can find here's the game, here's all these news and announcements. A lot of the people who were um, playing were then almost immediately brought up to then do interviews. So if you're super interested in high rollers, you can both watch their game and then see the interview with them afterwards. Um, so yeah, I would 
absolutely recommend watching any of those games. And as someone who participated on both days, because of, um, because of the fact that like before each of our games, there was, there was some prep. There was, uh, they had hair and makeup for us, which made me so happy. That, I got, I, I, when you mentioned that there was like, Oh yeah, it just came out of makeup. I'm like, Oh, right. That makes sense. And even then you could see on some people that the hot lights and just the, the environment was still really, it, it looked hot. You know, it. I think everybody had a different reaction to it. I personally was okay. Um, I personally felt comfortable. And um, both days when they did my makeup, I was super happy with how I looked. Um, they, they, the you looked gorgeous, prof- darling. The, per- the, well, thank you. The professionals they had there, I requested, I, I just want to look natural. And I let them do their work. And in both cases, I I'm pretty happy that I, I do not look like a 14-year-old girl um, in either stream, which makes you, me happy. You know what? And Satine Phoenix has her look, and it's a great look, but it's not for everyone. So, no. yeah. No, and she she pulls it off with aplomb. And, you know, but I certainly understand that um, I have a couple of advantages uh, on in both of those days. One, um, I was... And simply, you know, some of this is I'm a woman. Some of this is just because of how I uh, just how my body works. Um, I was wearing um, very like I was wearing T-shirts and jeans most of the time. So it wasn't like I was in um, layers either of those days. I was relatively comfortable the whole time. I have a full head of hair, which helps when you're trying to when you're sitting under hot lights. I don't have to worry about the top of my head or my forehead shiny or a lot of the men that were there either had very short haircuts or, you know, were uh, bald like Jerry. And that is, that is tough to deal with. You know, it's by, one thing by to Jerry, have to deal with. You mean, face. you mean at, uh, Abraham Bim Ruby? You know, well, no, I also kind of do mean like Jerry, like, uh, Oh, but, Jerry Holkins. Right. Right. Jerry Hol- yeah. Okay. And so I, he, I, I have to so, explain yeah. myself because in, while I was in the chat for, for the uh, the game you were in with both Adam Ben Ruby and Matthew Lillard, one of the yeah. funniest comments were there was one exchange that went something along the lines of this commenter says that dude in the middle looks a lot like Shaggy, <laughs> and then the next three responses were like that dude is he's Shaggy, shaggy. <laughs> and he's there's like oh my god. And the other comment that tickled me a bunch was the uh, was everyone calling uh, Abraham Ben Ruby Jerry from ER. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, I like, uh, like uh, Jack and I have said he is definitely from at least for me and and for Jack, he is Kubiak from Parker Lewis Can't Lose. He's been in a fuck ton of stuff. Random Abraham Ben Ruby uh, role for me. Random guard who gets unceremoniously killed. In the shadow. <laughs> See now the um like I recognized him when they when they announced him. I was just like, okay, I recognize him. Uh Parker Lewis can't lose was not a huge fan of. It's been forever. Uh the thing for me is I knew him from Robot Chicken. Yep. He's he has been a voice on Robot Chicken for forever. And then so the funny thing is okay, so wait, we'll 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 come back to that. We'll come back to those specific things. So I started by saying definitely watch all of these games. And that, yeah, um, 
So not only did I have a couple of advantages with being able to wear just t-shirt and jeans and having a full head of hair and um, women are a little more able to wear more makeup than men. So it was a little easier to prep me so that in an hour and a half, I didn't get, um, I didn't get shiny. And my, I know my body's reaction to being under stress at, you know, everyone on this stream is a performer in some fashion. Um, but I'm lucky in that my body's reaction to stress, either when playing oboe or playing D and D, which I've talked about before is I, I actually react, my body sweats in different ways. Um, it doesn't tend to be a face thing. And so I put a ton of deodorant in the appropriate places and I was okay there. The, the other issue is that because of the speed of these games, an hour and a half sounds like a long time, but that is an incredibly no, short amount really of time for fast D &D. for a D and D game. Like even for me, who's used to running two hour games, that's a short amount of time, especially for both groups that I was in at a lot of players because of that games were moving super quick. DMS were being very good about keeping things moving and entertaining. There was no time for a quick, I need to pat down your face for makeup. So if someone was a little shiny or a little sweaty because there were hot lights or that's just what they were doing because they were excited or sweaty, th that's it. That's, that's all you could do. So I hope everyone was a little forgiving. Um, but anyway, yeah, definitely watch all of the groups. I personally have been catching up on a bunch of them because I didn't really get a chance to see very much while I was participating in it. The, um, the green room that we all got to hang out in when we weren't live on stream or needed to be somewhere was wonderful. And they always had food and drink and plenty of games and swag. And that's where a lot of us just basically hung out all day, both days. They had a giant TV set up with the stream going but the audio was intentionally kept fairly low because most of us kind of wanted to be talking to each other and get this chance to, to, you know, oh, you know, so to basically either have fun together or to commiserate with each other or to find out, oh, so you're doing this with your stream and that with your stream and how you doing this. It was it was like part business meeting, part convention. And the assumption was if you wanted to actually watch whatever game was on stream at that moment, you just walked over and you stood watching it. Like it was very easy to do that. And I did that a bunch just to, you know, to grab as much as I could. Um, ugh. all right. So do we want to talk about the two games I was in? <laughs> Absolutely. I want to hear up. We'll start with the first one you were in, which was one grung below. Yes. So Chris Lindsay is a uh, designer at Wizards of the Coast. He runs the Adventures League. He helps run the DMs Guild and is a writer and is um, an amazing DM. And so the stream included pre- uh, pre-made groups as in like, Oh, here's acquisitions incorporated. Here's maze arcana. Here's dice camera action. And maybe some of those groups had a, a special guest or two, but in general it was, here is this group that you're used to seeing just in a different location. And then they also put these, um, I'm trying to remember like, at, uh, until they finalized the schedule, they were calling them like super groups, mm -hmm. which were basically these, 
groups of people a lot, you know, a lot of them like me who were not there with a preset group and were thrown together. And the, the specific thing about, there were a couple of specific things, but the, the main overarching theme of the grung game that I was in is that everybody at that table is a DM. Not everybody who was at the stream of annihilation has DM'd before. There were a lot of wonderful people, players who have not DM'd or don't do DMing on screen. Everyone in that group actively is currently a DM doing something in on stream or something. And I gotta which, say that was an amazing chemistry. Like, like especially like Humes, I think. Because he was a a lowly grunt, kind of got left behind. It's, oh, really? I I think so. Initially you know, in I've... the stream. Now, you were in a great position because yeah. I feel like like you had the you had the blip, uh, the bleep, the bloop, and who was the last one? Blop. Blop. Blip, bleep, bloop, and blop. They so... were they were the green. So let's let's explain what that means real quick, just in terms okay. of grung. Yeah, so I'll back up a little bit. So we're all DMs, which helps. We're all DMs who DM a current group that is putting out a a podcast, a live stream. Even um, uh, Matt Coville, who um, is probably the only one of that group who isn't putting out like a weekly stream. He, on a regular basis, puts out his, his game and is streaming it. Um, and it's a... a Chris Lindsay put together a game in where the entire party is made up of the same um, race. We're all grungs. And if you don't know what a grung is, get yourself Volo's Guide to Monsters. It's a, they're basically frogs. They're tiny little frogs. They're, they're frog, literally, they're frogmen. They're, they're frogmen. Um, they are a monster in Volo's Guide to Monsters. They're not currently an official playable race, but one of the things in Volo's Guide is, um, along with some, actual playable races is literally instructions on how to turn any monster into a playable race. And Chris Lindsay kind of knows what he's doing being uh, from wizards. So he uh, created a, an adventure in where the entire party is grung. Now grungs are a, a stratified society. They are a caste system based on the color grung that you are. So, the lowest, and you probably got most of this if you watched the game. Um, we were, ex this was all explained to us before the game. So we kind of had an idea to how we were to play off of this. Um, but there's green grung who are basically grunts. They're the, the lowest cast. They are scouts. They are the frontline men. They are the expendable ones. Then there's purple who are, essentially middle management they lead teams of the green grung um but are um they're the they're basically just a, a one step up and then you have the orange which are the and then it kind of just keeps on going up there's orange red gold and the higher color you are the more important you are the more um power you have the more influence you have the other half of that is that if you are too many steps away from a cast, so if you're, say, a red grung, like Satine Phoenix was playing, you would not ever deign to even speak to a green. And a green, like, say, what Mark Holmes was playing, 
would not be allowed to talk to a red. So in the game that we were playing, there were four greens played by uh, Coville, Holmes, um, uh, uh, Coble, and um, a Rudy Rutenberg were the, those four gentlemen playing the greens. You had me playing the only purple. You had, oh, I've just lost her name. The, oh, this wonderful woman from Miss Clicks who's playing the, the orange and Satine Phoenix playing the red. So there were a bunch of preset reasons why that game worked really well, despite the fact that none of us have ever played together. One, uh, we're all DMs who've performed in front of a camera. So we are all super comfortable with playing D&D while other people are watching. And because we're all DMs, I think... And it's not that players don't do this. I mean, good players like the four of you in my game are not just wonderful role players, but also really good at kind of understanding um, the dynamic of the group really quickly, um, enough improv skill to be able to just roll with whatever is going on with enough understanding about how the game is going to know when to have fun about when to push about when to just, you know, go crazy about when it's like, all right, I need to, to, to actually like do what's ever in the plot. Um, but then also because it was all DMS because we've all had to run games that include this variety of characters and races and classes, even though we were playing level five characters out of a race that none of us knew with very little information to begin with, you didn't really get that. Like we knew what we were doing. I know how to run a roguish character with a couple of weird powers. Uh, Satine knows how to run a monk. You know, we, we're all familiar enough with those classical art, with those classes and those characters to be able to run them without a lot of, Oh, what's, what am I looking for? What's my modifier? So, and then Lindsay, uh, Chris Lindsay created this essentially perfect way to prevent all seven of us for five. Yeah. Seven of us from accidentally stepping over each other because there are, there were whole groups of people who couldn't talk to whole other groups of the people. So when you mentioned okay, that, I seem so to that's what was going on. I kind of so, figured, but yeah, I think at one point Chris Lindsay mentioned that, but it might've been super quick in passing. So you're absolutely right when you're like, I was in the most ad advantageous position. Uh, Chris Lindsay actually warned me about that ahead of time because my position is literally the the purple grung was literally the linchpin of, of that whole group. The greens could talk to only other greens or me, and they would take orders from me. Um, the, the two above me, the uh, red and the orange, were giving me orders and could talk to me, and I could talk to them, but I was the only one who could talk to everybody. I was accepting orders from some people or asking questions and then giving orders to other people. So that's why a lot of the time, if the greens were like, well, we need light and none of us have torches, none of us have anything that can, you know, all the greens and the purple that I was playing were all rogues of various types. And then I just had an extra power or two. And then the ones that were above me were different classes. So when the greens came to me, we were like, we need light. 
and I didn't have any way of giving them light, I then had to troop on over to the 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 woman playing the orange and be like, yeah, we need some light. And then she was supposed to go to the red and be like, yeah, they need some light. So it was basically a study in really crappy um, corporate management. And, and the consequence of which you were the one talking the most since you yes. could talk to both deals. And that was awesome because as much as I love Mark Humes and I love what he does on, on high rollers, I, I was there to watch you. <laughs> and I feel like in that first game, I definitely got the most bang, bangerang for my oboe crazy <laughs> buck. And, and, and we'll talk about the second game in a minute. I 100% agree with that. I feel like um, this other game that I played in was a little more balanced in in all of us getting a chance to have moments. And yes, by far, I talked a lot more in the first game. Um, the The interesting dynamic that came out immediately was that uh, part of part of it was what. Uh, Matt Coville was doing which was kind of brilliant and then what the four of them who were playing the greens just kind of did as a group even oh though God. <laughs> they basically turned into like the four stooges it was amazing uh, when, when uh, Roll20 dude went oh yeah I hear you comrade and they threatened to unionize the greens <laughs> that was amazing yeah Adam Coble just decided that he was going to be the most um like I almost expected him to speak with a, a cliche French accent and yeah, all of his stuff was about fighting against the bourgeoisie and you know, like he was the most aware of the corporate management structure and just dismissive. And then you had um, uh, Humes and uh, Rudy who were um, basically playing. Um, I mean, he he Mark Humes said it at one point that he was kind of like Drax, except with a little more intelligence. Right. And Rudy was playing kind of this weird feral grung. He um, was his little frog noises were pretty were amazing. Great. They were amazing. And then Colville was playing the dumbass. He was just playing the guy who he's play, he literally played the guy that usually other party members hate and often the DM hates, which is the guy that just runs forward into everything. Mm -hmm. So no, I don't know anyone like that. <laughs> no one knows shut anything up, like shut that. Shut up, Lori. The the fun thing about <laughs> you, that dynamic, they locked into that super fast. Like none of that was planned, as far as I know. Um, like we only got our character sheets a couple of us got our character sheets earlier in the day and like did a little bit of chatting about, Oh, should we put on a silly voice or stuff like that? But we didn't really make too many character choices. Like all of what you saw kind of came out at the table. What that meant was kind of beautiful because it, it made my role playing choices incredibly easy. My job was to be the straight man. My job was to be middle management. I was to be the long-suffering middle management straight person. I think I maybe got a joke off here or there, but that was mostly out of character because, you know, for, for their comedy to work, I needed to be straight person. So, um, so actually, the only people I felt bad for were the other two ladies because they could only talk to each other or me. They couldn't interact with the greens at all. And um, they weren't, because of that, they really didn't have a chance to speak that much. Now, a little that they got was brilliant, but 
Um, and for Satine's case, I think she's okay because she did play, uh, I, and I did not realize her name was this pun, pun but Dakaton. Yeah. Was Donkey Kong. Yeah, all of the names of all these characters were references to something else. And or she just punched ridiculous. stuff. Yeah, I. Yeah. So she was not only the leader Grung, but she was also, if I'm not mistaken, the captain of the ship in your other stream. Yes. Yes. Okay. She got a chance. She played a lot. A, a bunch. Her and Rudy are both from Bays Arcana, and they they do several live streams, and they played in a bunch. So, um, so yeah, it, all of us had a chance to play, except for uh, Matt Coville. He was the only one who didn't get a chance to play on a different stream. He was supposed to, and then he ended up having to leave. Um, so yeah, it was. It was okay because there was a natural give and flow, and none of us felt like. Um, once again, I think partially because we're DMs and partially because we're all streamers, no one was trying to take the spotlight. No one was right, like, right. I'm going to take over this game. It just, as in the first 10 minutes, these characters evolved enough that we were able to do an hour and a half worth of awesome role play and where everything lied, everyone was just like, all right, well, I'm going to do what makes sense for my character. Yep. So yeah, it, it was a ton of fun. It was, I thought, uh, Chris Lindsay did an excellent job of hurting us cats, uh, because certainly um, I did a or Bangarang did a very awful job of hurting her cats. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I think she did fine I, with the tools that she was given the, the four idiots and the uncaring management. Uh, I think she did great. <laughs> well, I've, I am the one moment I'm proudest of was the out of character moment in where I, I came up with the idea that Kermit was our God. Oh, my God. By Kermit's the- grace. Yes, that still makes me super happy, and and that that will be the one. So it's funny because they put out a video on YouTube that is a, uh, they actually call it a day one highlight reel, and I think it's only like two and a half minutes. So it's tiny little snippets of each of the games that happened that day, and I'm super fortunate to be in the 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 highlight reel, but they put me in saying something else, and then. Um, one of the other characters got a chance to to deliver the Kermit line. And I don't mind it simply because from a standalone, I need to pull a clip that's going to be funny. It worked better because when I said Kermit, I had a couple of words after that. And everyone else like was immediately on top of Kermit. So that everyone was kind of talking at once for just the briefest of moments. So she got a chance to like deliver a really funny Kermit line by herself. Yes. Um, I, I was that, that tickled me so much that now at least in the stream of annihilation realm, Kermit was, was canon for as grung God. Oh yeah. And I can tell you this. If and when the Grung ever show up in any of my games, Kermit's their god. Nice. Um, so speaking of crossover, because Kermit references did show up in other games, like your game with Ma- uh, Maze Arcana. Yes. So uh, Maze Arcana, 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 they are a, they, they put out several D&D streams and Rudy and Satine do a ton of work, include, and, and the rest of, of their crew. So um, this was one of those games in where this was not part of their normal canon. They did do a Maze Arcana game that's here's game one of an ongoing series we're going to do. This one was essentially 
I think I can, I think it's safe to say this. It was a prequel to events that are happening in the campaign. So it was, it was a standalone one shot. Um, and that's the game that included, uh, Abraham Ben Ruby. And, um, it, that was, that one was a little bit easier to, um, as I said, I think everybody had a bit more of a chance to shine and have a moment to each other. And that one, definitely, there was a lot more backstory involved. The, those characters were incredibly well fleshed out for us. Um, Rudy came up with, like, it was crazy the amount of stuff that I had on my character sheet. Like, the, the level of detail. This was a character sheet I would expect out of somebody who had been playing for seven, eight months to get their character up to, I think they were level five either level five or level six characters. Um, so, which was a rich backstory. My, one of my few regrets from that game is that like, none of us really could have mined everything that was in our character. Right. Was, like you it said, was impossible. It, there was such a short amount of time that you really didn't, no one had any, any opportunities to faff about much, at least to get yeah. like the, the kind of interaction that you maybe get with a Dungeons and Dragons and drugs or just about any game and I know that like some of the bigger games I play in are sort of like that where there are so many people that you really just have to power through and it, it I think you lose a little bit of that but uh when when you do have those opportunities to kind of like make your character more than just the meat shield that's so great and yeah. that I, I think if I had to criticize anything it would be that you did not get the chance to to do that with really any of the characters. But I, I did like what we got. I mean, I and I understand the constraints. Oh, yeah. And of the two games that I played, the Grung game, um, I think it was very obvious from the stream, while it ended, while it had a quote-unquote ending, it definitely ended on a cliffhanger. And there's a lot more like Christopher Lindsay wrote a ton more that could have happened, but that game, it wasn't at all necessary to like, it had a decent ending. Like it ended and yeah, it's kind of a cliffhanger, but whatever, like the purpose of that game was more the experience of watching a bunch of DM streamers play together in this crazy game about frogs. The Maze Arcana game was a standalone one shot that had a specific purpose in mind that um, I think people who watched the game and I won't give anything away if you haven't seen it. It's obvious that there was a build up to a very specific ending and that's much more difficult because imagine being imagine being the DM of a game in where you have to get to a specific ending and nobody else knows because the players obviously don't know. And what's the one thing that happens in Dungeons and Dragons? Well, the players screw everything up and go off in random directions and do things that are not part of the plan. And in a regular D&D game or even in a D&D stream, you adapt and you deal with it and you throw other things at them. And then, you know, maybe the set thing that you had in mind as the end goal gets moved, shuffled, changed, or just pushed back. Right. And it's seamless. Well, when you only have an hour and a half and you have to get to that end point, oh, it can get rough. Um, that game was intense 
and a but also like a ton of fun um as i said that one was one of the ones where i feel like uh we all got a chance to to really uh give each other a moment or two um i had a chance to play with nathan stewart who is in charge of dnd i mean all of the Wizards of the Coast people that are there were amazing and and influential in different ways. But Nathan Stewart is in charge of Dungeons and Dragons. He's the guy in charge, um, which is why if you watch the stream, there's a couple of times where he's like, I get to roll this with advantage, right? And what's what's Rudy supposed to say? No, Mr. I run D&D. You he's can't, supposed you know. to croak. I know. Which is the implication it, that you may roll with advantage. Yeah, it, it was very funny. Um it was his, the, the two minutes before the game went live uh, as everybody was like, some of the character interaction had been figured out, like um, uh, Abraham Ben Ruby and uh, Matthew Lillard being brothers. brothers right, right. And um, a couple of the characters having these kind of love interest things going on. And then two minutes beforehand, um, as I think, I think actually the, the, the two playing brothers they had already decided that they were going to do this very old school British adventurer, you know, oh, I'm, oh, brother, I'm going to be going, you know, that kind of thing. Like, you, like you'd expect from an old 1930s, you know, serial adventure kind of thing, like very almost racist cliche British man going off into the wilderness to go hunt stuff. So they're putting on this British voice and, uh, Mark Holmes, just, he says, well, if, if you guys are going to do that as the one Brit at the table, I should put on my horrible, horrible American accent. Absolutely. And, his, and he did. And, and he did, which is was an, a pretty good Texan, I'll say. Like every he was just like, it's horrible. And I'm like, yeah, it's not it's not too bad. Not as bad which as you think. No, definitely not. Um, better than a lot of not classically trained actors like. So anyway, basically that made the decision for almost everybody. Well, the rest of us have to be British. Now we all have to be British so that he can be the one. So that was a lot of fun to be able to pull out my super bad British and be super bad British next to an actual British man. Um, yeah. And I was, I, I was the moment that I'm most proud of personally was the moment that I got to attack with my wrench. That was my wall. That was awesome. Yeah, because the, the character I was playing as is the cook slash engineer. And I didn't get a chance to do much of the engineer stuff except for kind of that one moment. Um, I I actually had other things planned and then the game had to end. But yeah, in that moment, I was able to um, pull that out. And that that was kind of a fun, epic moment. I, I really enjoyed that. Um yeah, and those those people are hysterically funny. Um, I had an epic death, which you, did? you know what? If you if you're gonna die in a D and D game, um, falling into the mouth of a zombie T Rex not a bad way to go. I'm pretty this proud of that. Zombie T Rex had been talked about so much over the weekend, and it was one of the first things that was mentioned when they reveal when it was revealed what the stream of annihilation was about. And they were talking about Schult and the kind of monsters you run in there and the whole storyline of all of a sudden undead arising. And also people who have been brought back by magical means through div good divine magic are now starting to rot away. And that's weird. But one of the things that they hit on was this zombie T-Rex that, that spits out zombies. 
Yep. So I feel like it was sort of Chekhov's zombie T-Rex that spits out zombies. And at some point, a character was going to get eaten by one. I'm glad it was you. Yeah. Nope. I I fully accept being being not on by a zombie T-Rex. It was also a surprise when he slammed that giant T-Rex. You can't call that a mini. No, uh, that, that was a toy. That was a goddamn toy. It was huge. And it legit. he came from behind me when he put that thing down on the table. He legitimately surprised me. I think, uh, I don't think it actually shows up on the stream. I haven't been able to watch that one fully. I've just kind of skimmed through it just to, to see, you know, just how everything looked. Um, so I don't think it actually shows me very much, but I think I spent a whole 30 seconds just jaw open going, ah, and then like in my head, after I kind of got over giant T-Rex, I was super happy because one of the only other things that I didn't get to do, which I was super excited about doing, uh, there was a bunch of zombies everywhere and there's a zombie T-Rex and I'm a cleric. Guess what I was going to do? I was super excited about doing a massive turn undead because yeah. I haven't turned undead in forever. Um, but that's okay. You know what? It, it, it all worked out. So, so yeah, two super fun games. I think if I had a choice, I'd say the, the grung one was, is probably my favorite of the two, mostly because of how unique that game was mm -hmm. and how well everything came together. And I just, that there there was afterwards we were chatting and I was like, you know, that to, to make a music metaphor, I feel like someone who has had a chance to play my oboe in some really good groups mm -hmm. of, you know, amazing players uh, who are all individually wonderful. And then today I got a chance to play with the London Symphony like that's kind of what it felt like was just, you know, kind of a perfect storm. It's, it's, you know, that all, all of us had the perfect skill set to just sit down at a table in front of thousands of people having barely any information about what we were doing, having never played with one another. And it was, it was the closest thing to actual jazz, that like that's what I get out of D and D is what happened at that table and it it gelled really really well. So we've only got a couple minutes left, and now that I've prattled on for almost an hour, did you have any questions? Uh, no. Let me check the stream real quick to to see if anyone had any questions for us there. Uh, I will say real quick that I did get to see Wonder Woman this last week. It was wonderful. Go see it. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. It, the first act is a bit slow, but it pays the fuck off. So definitely go check that out. I am excited. Uh, Hopefully this weekend, Luke and I will go. Um, I don't see any questions, but that's okay. Uh, I do see you viewers. Thank you so much for checking us out. Uh, let's yeah, see we've here. got uh, Calamity Jane is in there uh, basically also saying that she's looking forward to all of the Unearthed Arcana stuff that uh, has yes, been yes. coming out. Yeah, uh, that's going to be neat. Uh, I've been looking... So I need to stop making characters because there's no way that even <laughs> even putting some of my myriad of cleric ideas into my local game, I'm just not going to be able to use them all. But today, yeah. I'm talking with a friend and we are talking about two characters that we would love to have in the same campaign. But that's probably not going to happen because like you said, we need a dungeon master and... 
and we're both tapped as far as our dungeon mastering and playing. So it's like, at some point, hopefully we'll get to this, but uh, on mine, I think actually both characters were using Unearth Arcana stuff. Uh, me, the store barbarian, and her, the knight. So uh, yeah. that's that's hopefully something we can do, and that's in November. So that'll be a, that'll be a good Christmas present there. Um, there you go. I will say that uh, that Obo, I'm, uh, I know we don't we don't have much longer here, and I've said this in other venues, but I'm going to say it here because I don't think I've actually like expressed this vocally. I am so fucking proud of you. Not only did you get to participate in, like, basically D&D All-Stars. Let's not sugarcoat it. These were the who's who of D&D players. You got to participate, and you did fucking awesome. And I am really humbled to be, to be able to say, and I said this a lot in the chat on Twitch, that you are my DM. You are up there and you are doing awesome. And well, thank you. This it was it was a pleasure to watch you. Well, I'll say and I, I have said this plenty of times. Um a DM is only as good as her players and if you guys weren't an absolute joy to dm for then dungeons and dragons and drunks wouldn't be nearly as good as it is and i never would have gotten the chance to get invited to dragon talk and none of this would have happened so um there is a, a question from um oh shit i've uh someone put up a question and then i closed that window are you still in the chat uh hold on hold on i'm getting it i'm getting it okay uh, let's see. Who was the most delightful surprise of a person to meet from our very own Calamity Jane? Oh, the delightful surprise. I mean, everyone there, that's one of the reasons that everything was so lovely and wonderful. And I had such a great time is there were, everyone there was amazing. Everyone there was excited to be there, was excited to talk with other people. Um, some people got to be there more than others. And so I got a chance to talk to some more than others, but everybody was just absolutely wonderful um I'll, okay i'll mention uh i'll mention a couple of people so just in general the 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 dragon friends i got a, a chance to uh talk with dave david Harmon, who is their dm and also uh with benny davis who is their live music. He's literally Benny Davis, just live plays keyboard while they play. He did a couple of others, right? I mean, I know he did uh, the Uncharted... Well, he, he was the one that did the Uncharted Territory game, right? For yes, High Rollers? So, okay. Yep, so High Rollers was right before Dragon Friends, and High Rollers as uh, is one of the other groups that uses music during their stream. And uh, the way the story was told to me is that he... so. Benny was there making sure that the keyboard worked. And the keyboard, by the way, was uh, provided by me by way of friend of the show, friends of the show, uh, Mary and Chris McDowell. Because oh. they're, yes. So um, without going into the backstory of all of that, it's their keyboard. I was the person who I asked a whole bunch of friends when it was like, oh, dragon friends are coming and Benny needs a keyboard and he doesn't want to bring his incredibly expensive Roland for reasons that should be obvious. Right. You're a musician. Can you help us find a keyboard? Um, of the multitude of people I asked, they had a keyboard and were able to spare it for a couple of days. And so I brought it to the studio and helped 
get it uh, get it to Benny so that he could do that. Um, and I think at one point Greg Tito actually tweeted thanks to me and then to uh, the gentleman who brought the amp. And I was just like, and also thanks to uh, Sailor Tweak and Cern Darby. So so anyway, yeah. So he was doing his sound check that happened after the High Rollers game. The High Rollers are used to having uh, not live music, but they they have. Uh, just the same way that uh, Matt Mercer runs music for Critical Role, that they do music during their stream, and basically said to him, you're kind of awesome, will you just do this for our game too? And he went, yeah, sure. And he's an amazing musician and improver, and so for two different games, ran music. So chatting with them was a lot of fun. They have such an interesting take on a live D&D game, and certainly talking with them and listening to them about the changes that they're having to think about turning their once-a-month podcast into a that's in front of a live audience into a, a essentially in studio video um, produced game. So uh, chatting with them was, was awesome. They were tons of fun. Um, I had a, a couple of brief moments to chat with Matt Mercer and uh, separately Marisha Ray with, with a couple of other groups. They were unfortunately there so little amount of time um and it just because they had to they they couldn't get in until uh they couldn't get in until friday mid-morning they had to leave pretty quickly saturday and a lot of the time that they were there they were either in a game or being interviewed so um there was little time for them to be kind of hanging out back in the green room um had a lot of fun chatting with them about just random D&D topics actually got spoiled a little bit because I didn't get a chance to watch Critical Role, the one that happened on Thursday. And Marisha, uh, when I uh, joined the conversation, Marisha was talking to a couple people about that episode. Ah, and then, okay. And that's okay. And that's fine. And then we got talking about some other things that had happened earlier and then, you know, branched out from there. But, uh, but yeah, they were lovely. And despite the fact that I'm sure they were exhausted, they were um, just as excited and happy to be there as everybody else. Um, I was super happy to talk to Matt Coville. I saw him Thursday night and got a chance to chat with him at the, there was a little essentially pregame party, a meet and greet kind of thing that he was at. And it was the closest I actually came to, to being a fangirl, to be, to be honest, like, as much as I'm a huge fan of Critical Role, like just because of the situation that that happened in and um, the short amount of time that I got to chat, it wasn't like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Mercer or Marisha Ray. It was just kind of two or three of us all talking at the same time. That was much more of a kind of a natural, comfortable conversation. Uh, Matt Coville, we, uh, a couple of us arrived super... Um, not super early. The party started at six and there were some of us who arrived at six because there are some of us who would have arrived at five 30 because we're dorks. So I approached him cause I recognize him and I am a fan of his YouTube. I've read his books. So I started with, you know, just introducing myself and we chatted for a while and we chatted about a whole bunch of things. And then he started to explain what he does with his YouTube channel. And I think it was, I think he thought that he had to explain why who he was and why he was there. Like it, it felt like something that he was used to telling people about. 
And eventually I actually just interrupted him. I'm like, okay, this is the moment where I admit that I'm actually a fan of yours. I've watched all your videos. I use them as I recommend them to people to uh, watch if they want to be a DM. I've, uh, and I've supported you by reading, uh, buying your books and reading them. And, um, and I, I tried to be just as, you know, matter of fact and calm about as I could, you know, just so he didn't feel like he had to justify like it almost felt like he was trying to justify his his existence at this event and and I wanted to reassure him like no I totally get why you're here you're awesome um and I was feeling a little nervous about it until I said about the books and he's like oh you bought my books all right well you're awesome then so (laughs) so that was cool and he has some uh really amazing ideas about things that current games can do to kind of up their production level and um he obviously loves to run games different than what a lot of people like to watch his games tend to be much more full of political intrigue and super complex plots that um he's still kind of figuring out how to stream those and he so it was kind of fascinating to talk to him about like um he was a little envious of me talking about how we play our game and it's recorded and I edit it and how I was envious of him because he live streams his stuff and it was kind of grass is green on the other side of the hill thing. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, he was super cool. I was super happy to be able to meet him. Um, God, who else? Oh, Oh, one more person. So, um, Oh shoot, I just lost his name. From Geek and Sundry, there was um he's one of the I've just totally lost his name. Oh my god, I'm going to have to look this up now. Uh but he's one of the guys who works at Geek and Sundry. He's both on camera and he does stuff behind the scenes. He is um and he was there for like I think he was only there for a day. Um I think he was only there I want to say for Friday. He didn't actually get a chance to be on any of the streams. I don't know if that was because he had to leave or if he didn't get scheduled or what, but um, he does a, a ton of stuff with Geek and Sundry. I'm, I'm going to friggin' look him up because not only did I have a wonderful uh, couple of conversations with him, he then sat us down and a, a couple of us got a chance to play a game that isn't out yet. Um, and it was the only non-D&D game I played that weekend. Um... Oh, there we go. Uh, so he it goes by the Twitter Hydra Hydra Lord, and his name is Ivan Van Norman. Um, he is a host on Geek and Sundry, and he is ob- he's a game designer and a storyteller, and super passionate about all kinds of board games, not just D and D. And he had a copy of this game called Unearth, which if you follow me on Twitter, I posted a picture of the group of us who got a chance to play, including the box art for this game. Mm-hmm. It's not released yet. I think it was back to, if I remember the story correctly, and I might be wrong, it was a Kickstarter thing that might just be now coming out in beta form. Um, and he had one of the first copies of the game. Um, and it's made by the same people who make Boss Monster, if you're familiar with that game. Sadly, yes. Oh, you're not a fan? Not a fan. Oh, I I actually ended up buying that game for um, uh, Chris McDowell for for Sir Narvi uh, for I want to say his birthday one year. Um, I actually played it with uh, Dark Five Four Five 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 at his house, and it was it was okay. 
Yeah. Uh, but same game, uh, same company made this game, same group of people. Um, it. I'm not going to try to explain it because we're already 10 minutes over. Suffice it to say, we had a lot of fun. It was kind of the perfect game for that venue. It had enough depth to it. And what kind enough, of game was it? Uh, how do I explain it? Um, it's... It was basically a, a point-collecting game uh, in where there were multiple ways to earn points. And if you had the most points, you won. And the, the conceit of the game is that you are playing as a group of archaeologists. And before you are a whole bunch of ruins. And on those ruins um, are also these stones. And these stones will let you unlock certain other more powerful ruins. And the way that you go after... And they all have points associated with them. And the way you go after any of this is your your group of of, a, of archaeologists are represented by a bunch of dice. Uh, you have a couple D6s, a D4, a D8, and I think that's it. Yeah. Um, and all the, the basic mechanic of the game is you roll a dice, and depending on what you're trying to do, you're looking for specific numbers. And Oh, yeah, it's like uh, Alien Frontiers. I'm not familiar with that game, but it's I It's essentially, you. yeah, it's a dice play, dice worker placement game. And it's a little bit different than other games where you roll dice like Kingsburg or, uh, or To Court the King, where you want to try and roll high or at least get to certain advisors that you need. What's nice about games like, like that, where it's uh, Castles of Burgundy or Alien Frontiers, is that even if you roll quote-unquote crappy, it can still work for you depending on what the actual number is. Yeah, and this, um, really actually the only crappy rolls are middle rolls. So, like, um, some of the things that you're trying to do, you want to roll a 1, 2, or a 3. So, obviously, the D4 is the best of your advantage. Some of the things you want to roll high. So, the D6 or the D8 is to the best of your advantage. Um, there are other ways, and, and there's ways of manipulating the dice. And there, There's enough complexity, as I said, in, in where it was interesting, but not so much that um, we played... We completed the whole thing in an hour, and that included Ivan giving us the tutorial. So um, easily, this is like a half, a good half hour, maybe 40 minutes worth of gameplay for four people, um, which was, as I said, kind of perfect. Um, but yeah, getting a chance to chat with him and his wealth of production knowledge, especially with having worked with Geek and Sundry, and then his obvious enthusiasm for just... I mean, everybody was enthusiastic, enthusiastic there and lovely and um, excited, but like everyone had their thing that they were the most excited about. And his was just in like the moment in where he said, are you interested in playing this game? And I said, yeah, sure. If you can teach it to me. Absolutely. Um, at, like the smile on his face was mass. I made him super happy that he got a chance to teach me and a couple of other people how to play this game. Like that's made him super happy. Um, so yeah, it was a meeting him. I think if you're taking surprise in the literalist sense of who is someone I had zero clue I was going to meet, had zero clue I was going to talk to, and yet had a wonderful experience with, I, I think he probably wins because I didn't even know he was going to be there until I saw him across the room and then I had just a lovely, wonderful, joyful time playing this game, getting taught how to play it. <sighs> that was, 
Uh, oh, and she's asked one more game. Are, are you going to take 30 minutes to answer this one too? No, because okay. this is easy. <laughs> Any plans, hopes to do D&D collaborations in a mega podcaster panel? No, not at the moment. Um, the quick answer is no. The long answer is no, but I am, I would love to, but at the moment, no. And that's, Hopefully, That's if you do brilliant. get to do a mega panel, you bring your favorite matrimuscular wizard with you so that he can participate in D&D Avengers as well. I, I, think, I think... I will fly anywhere. Awesome. I think it would be awesome to either bring you guys uh, somewhere to, to do a mega thing or to bring a guest on to Dungeon Drunks. Um, I think of all of the groups there, Dungeon Drunks is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to admit it, we're a smaller group. We're the littlest fish in that uh, in that pond. I will say, uh, we I don't think we were the littlest fish. Really? However, we were no. Um but that's okay. That the point of being there was not who's the big fish, who's the littlest well, fish. Well, we like when Critical Role and Maze Arcana and High Roller show up, it's pretty obvious. And misclicks and uh dice camera action and C team, it's pretty easy to tell the big fish. And then the the, oh, we're, yeah. the we're the little fish. Well, and I, I was totally okay with that, and that's absolutely fine. And so the, but the reason I'm actually not sure if we could get a guest onto our onto Dungeon Drunks has zero to do with the popularity of anybody's group because I feel like um, everyone just wants to play D and D, and I, I I don't think anyone would say no to joining uh, Dungeon Drunks for a game or two because of that. The actual issue is we're at this point, like of everybody that was there, there's only one other group that did a podcast format right, right. and now even they're streaming. So it would be kind of a change. Like when I explained to people that like, oh yeah, we record, we don't do live streaming. We just record and I do all the audio editing. They're like, wow. Okay. Like, and they were all super excited about that and, and they totally understood the positives to that, but that's not where a lot of these people are focused and I don't think we're in a position to go Twitch stream. No, because and, and money. Well, money a bit, and I think logistically we are not. Uh, it it would be hard. I I remember when we did Heroes of the Heart. That was a lot of fun, but there were lots of logistical issues of trying to put on a live streamed D and D show where nobody is in the same place. Yeah. Well, and, and and I feel like we overcame a lot of those challenges. I think yeah. we we delivered something that was really good as a one-time thing. Yeah. Trying to engineer that consistently could be done, but there's a couple of different factors uh, that that would prevent that at least for right now. Not the least of which is one of the reasons why uh, some of the Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks recordings are going to sound like, hey, didn't you guys just, it sounds like you guys played yesterday. Did they just make a reference about playing yesterday? Yes, we made a reference about playing yesterday because peek behind the curtain, we had to record a bunch of episodes so we could keep a consistent release schedule because one of our players is having a baby. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll finish it with this. After doing Heroes of the Heart, I have zero doubt that if we had the correct equipment Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks could hundred percent live stream and do a Twitch live stream the same way any of these groups do. 
but at this moment in time, we do not have the money for the equip the the equipment that we would need to make it worth it. Because uh, Heroes of the Heart worked great, as you said, for a one shot, because it was okay that a bunch of us were on a webcam and right. that some of us didn't have amazing microphones and some of us did. Like it was it was a it was a little off kilter. At this point, the the quality of streamed D and D games, even at the basic level, is so high right. um, that I I would only feel comfortable jumping into that arena if we could be visually competitive. And at the moment, none of us have that equipment. Well, so, and also like, and and I know you wanted to close out, and this is like okay. minute fifteen of the thirty minute answer, but um, <laughs> I. It, it, I think, like you were saying, you put on makeup to be on these streams. One of the nice things about Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks, even though we turn on our webcams so we can see each other to kind of like play off of each other's faces while we while we role play and while we figure out some of these, especially some of the more emotional bits, mm -hmm. we don't wear makeup. I show mm -hmm. up in my gym Under Armour shirts. I mean, like we are all very comfortable. And I think adding that layer of complexity, at least for right now, this that may change. I'm always up for whatever, but for at least for right now, I do treasure the fact that I could show up immediately after coming from the gym and don't give a fuck. Yeah. I I I think one, if we had all the correct equipment, we could put on a Twitch live stream and I think you all would be fantastic. And yeah, it would be a little more work for everybody, but I, I have no doubt that that could happen. Um, two, I don't think we, but, but I think right now we get to be that unique thing. We right. get to be the audio only podcast. We are focused on the fact that we are essentially a D and D radio play as it were. Um, we're the and, most digestible because we're at, we clock in at around hour, hour and a half. Well, and that's, and that's the other thing we are, you know, I've heard from lots of people that one of the pluses for them for, for staying with us is the fact that it's a podcast so they can just listen to it. They don't feel like they have to watch it. And we are not four and a half hours every single week. Um, and while there are times where I would love to go longer, I think keeping us lean and mean and keeping us audio only is what makes us special. Now, some point in the future, if, I win the lottery or if we get sponsored or whatever, and we have the money to do a, an actual live Twitch stream correctly. My personal opinion is that we don't bring D and D and D itself to do that, that, uh, we start a separate, um, game and maybe it's still me DMing and the four of you playing. Maybe it's the exact same group of people, but the Twitch stream becomes a separate game with new characters, even if it's all the same people. And I, I want to keep dungeon drunks. Um, I feel like we're in a really good place with it. We've got most of the kinks worked out and it's got a great formula and we're all comfortable. And if, if the chance comes to do the, the video level, then I say we jump at it with a, a different campaign and go nuts. But D and D I, I want to keep it audio only for the time being. And if you want to keep your D and D and D in audio only, let us know. Or if you want to, if you want to see the adventures of some other group led by Obo Crazy, or here's a 
here's a really funky idea, maybe not led by Oboe Crazy, where Oboe Crazy actually gets to play, let us know at Glibshark or at each of our individual Twitters. Her at Oboe Crazy, me at Road underscore Block, him about to be a daddy uh, at <laughs> Jack Edithal. And Jack, uh, I, if you do listen to this, congratulations. We are so happy for you. Uh, I, we... He hasn't left this show at all. That's not what's happening. He is taking a break. He will be back as soon as that's feasible. But wait, 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 wait. Just to make sure, you don't know something I don't know. Like, is, did he? Is she? Is she actually delivering right now? Does she have the baby? No, no, no. It's happening. Okay, okay. I think it's happening soon. I know it's super happening soon, but just the way you were talking made me think. Do I need to go check my phone? To no, see no, if I have no. A, I, I a, just, a text I, I just. <laughs> so I am actually. Uh, I'm going on vacation here, and I don't. I'm probably going to be out of the country when when Maggie arrives. So, uh, but so I kind of wanted to say that in case Jack heard this before then. Oh, absolutely, and and I hundred percent agree with everything you said. It just. For a second, I thought maybe there was an announcement I didn't know about. Uh, no, yes. no. You would probably know uh, uh, at or before I do. <laughs> I don't know. My phone's in the other room. Anyway, you were anyway, wrapping up. Anyway, uh, so uh, you heard words at the beginning of the of the, of the the podcast. That was uh, voice actor Bob Ball. Then you heard some music. That was done by Linnea Boyev. And from all of us here at Clipshark, thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. Uh, thank you if you were just in the stream hanging out. And until next time, we will see ya. Bye. Bye. That's all for this week's episode of Glib Shark. But you can find more swimming around the internet. Go fishing for us on iTunes. We're a five-star catch. Or follow us on Twitter, at Glib Shark. You can even drop us a line, glibshark at gmail.com. Until next week, stay sharky, my friends. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.